1: Now, there are many lessons that we can learn from today's study, and one of the chief among them is that the Bible teaches we reap what we sow. That is a truth that, as Pastor Layton just mentioned, we
0: will be exploring here today on Study Verse by Verse as we continue our journey through Genesis. Our time together today will begin in chapter 29 as we continue chronicling. The Journey of Jacob. It is there that we get a lot of insight and information into our own relationship and journey with Jesus. Please join us as we are encouraged from God's Word to live out a life that is pleasing to the Lord. With more and our study in Genesis 29, here's Pastor Layton Sheely now, as we begin today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse.
1: Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the field with three flocks of sheep lying near it, because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. And when all of the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. It's interesting that uh, that latter experience was really transformational because when you read the words "continued on his journey," the literal meaning in the original language is he lifted up his feet. His, he 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 had a uh, he walked with a lighter step uh, because of that experience, and he was racing, he was hurrying towards Mesopotamia in anticipation of what God would do. Now, in Jesus' teaching, he makes it clear that not everyone is called to get married. But with Jacob, marriage was not an option. It was an obligation because the successful fulfillment of the covenant promises that God had given to his grandfather, Abraham and father Isaac and himself required that he find a wife and that together they bear the children that would become the people of Israel, the nation through whom God would send his savior into the world. And no doubt he knew by heart, he'd heard many times the story about how Rebecca ...had been revealed to Abraham's servant when he arrived many years earlier here in Mesopotamia... ...and how Rebekah had volunteered to water the ten camels. And he knew that this took place at a well. And so it must have been encouraging to him that one of the first things he sees as he comes to this land is a well... Now, the well here, the word refers not to a spring or cistern, but to a dug well. And the field, the word that's used that refers to open grazing country, not surrounded by a fence or hedge and therefore definitely outside of the city. And it tells us here that the stone on the well's mouth was large. And the water could not be drawn until that stone had been removed. When we think of stone, we might think of a great big ball, or a boulder, or a a rock. But this stone was a flat stone that lay over the opening of the well to keep objects from falling in. And was so large and heavy, it often required two or three men in order to move it. Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We are from Haran, they replied. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they answered. Then Jacob asked them, Is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Look, he said, the sun is still high. It's not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to the pasture. We can't, they replied, until all of the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep." Now, in some of your translations, it might say the son of Nahor. And that's because in the original language, the word used son was not as precise as it is for us today. Son is something different from a grandson and a great grandson and so forth to us today. But in the original language, it's basically talking about a descendant. And and actually, Laban is the son of Bethuel and the grandson of Nahor. In verse 6, he asks literally, is shalom to him? And shalom, of course, is a word that has the a sense of well being as well as good health. And the response is simply one word, shalom. It comes across multiple words in our language, but it's one word in theirs. In fact, if you read it through in, in the original language, their answers are very short, very, very succinct answers. It's as though they're not really wanting to be very conversational with this stranger. And so during this conversation, if you can call it that, uh, Rachel approaches and the men point her out. She's out in the distance. And and some of the scholars have suggested this is an an hint for Jacob to continue his questions with her because they're not interested in talking with him. But she's still far, far away and blurred by the mirage caused by the heat rising from the surface of the earth. Now, he's not familiar with the local customs. And so He urges the herders to go and water the sheep so they can go back to the pasture and continue grazing so that they can continue to fatten up. And uh, it's it's he doesn't think that they've really put in a full day's work. He's suggesting they get back to work, which is kind of presumptuous for a guy that just showed up at the local watering hole. Uh, But we know from this and from what else that we have in the scripture that Jacob had a very excellent uh, work ethic. And while he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, it is no coincidence that he comes across some people who know Laban. And it's no coincidence that God directs him to the very well where Rachel watered her flocks. Now, the name Rachel means ewe lamb. It's talking about a lamb, so there's kind of a wordplay uh, on this. She was a, uh, a shepherdess, so it's basically uh, the, in the original is saying the lamb with her lamps. The lamb came with her lamps. When Jacob saw Rachel, note this is the first time he actually sees Rachel. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Now, again, back in verse 6, he had been brought attention to the fact that Rachel was coming. She was some distance away. Now that she is near the well, he can actually see her distinctly. And verse 17 describes her as lovely in form and beautiful. And he sees that. And it's, an, it's a case of love at first sight. And the hormones spark the life. You know, and the scripture says that it tells us that that uh, only when all of the shepherds were present were the men able to lift the rock from the well because the rock was big. But when Jacob saw Rachel and identified her as a descendant of Laban, therefore a wife candidate, he single handedly removed this rock with superhuman strength and watered her sheep. And I'm sure the other shepherds right there knew don't mess with this guy. But also remember that Jacob was a child of Rebekah and you remember the event that took place at a well here in this general area several years previous when Rebekah who who must have had athletic levels strength carried somewhere between 250 and 500 gallons of water five gallons at a time in a heavy jar uh, uh, or clay uh, uh, clay jar in order to feed 10 camels. So evidently, strength was ran in the family. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. Now Jacob's crying here might simply be the expression of relief that has been brought on by the successful completion of his journey. He now knows he's in the right place. Uh, he has met the right person. And it's obvious that God is providentially leading him. And so he introduces himself and and she runs off to tell Laban in in the ancient East. uh, Family ties were very strong. They still are. And and so the family would entertain someone who was the distant relative, even if they'd never met him before. In fact, that's a practice that still carried on. Uh, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I, Jenny, she was, uh, we went to visit her family. She was born and raised in Croatia. And they didn't know me from Adam. And they hadn't seen her in decades. But they were extremely hospitable to us. And I'm so thankful for that. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house, his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. Now, perhaps the memory of the wealth that had come his way when earlier Eleazar, uh, the, the servant of Abraham, had paid in gold for Rebekah to become a wife was something that kind of made him a little faster as he hurried and ran uh, towards greeting Jacob. And then Jacob told Laban all these things and no doubt as he's doing that Laban is not getting uh, quite so excited because there are no 10 camels this time. In fact, the guy didn't even show up on a donkey and there's no gold at this time. And uh, and so uh, as he's listening to to Jacob tell the story, he's probably also realizing that Jacob is in a really awkward position and at his mercy And therefore highly exploitable. Uh, But after all, he was an heir to the fortune of Abraham and Isaac. So watch out for Uncle Laban. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. And so Laban here has been thinking about, he realizes he's going to be stuck with this guy for a long time. And he wants to make that stay profitable. And since he's a nephew, he's not a servant or a slave or a hired worker. So he has to come to some kind of agreement if Jacob is going to stay. Now, it might seem here on the surface that what he's saying is is going above and beyond being a relative. Since he's offering to pay Jacob in addition to providing hospitality. You think, wow, what a generous guy Laban is. But actually what's taking place here is Laban is giving him notice that he's not going to entertain him free indefinitely, that he's going to have to work for his keep. And from now on, Laban is going to consider him as a servant and he's going to work for wages. Now, of course, Uncle Laban had a plan that's implicated in the next verse. No doubt in that month he had observed Jacob's eye towards Rachel and figured out a way to profit from that interest. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel, she was lovely in form and beautiful. So we have this older, younger conflict that is a reflection of the misery between Jacob and Esau. So his past is catching up with him.
0: And we'll be sure your sins will find you out. As we mentioned at the beginning of our program today, the main study centers around the one truth that we do reap what we sow. Well, we trust our time together today has challenged you in your relationship with Christ, your walk with Him. If you have questions about this broadcast, your walk with Christ, or Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, there's an easy way to go about reaching out to us simply visit our website, highlands.us. Again, we can be found on the web at highlands.us. Well, tomorrow we are back in Genesis 29. We trust we'll see you then as we continue our journey in Genesis on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.